It is nearly 12 o'clock and time for the KMXT Midday Report. Thank you for listening to KMXT on 100.1 FM. It is your public radio station broadcasting from beautiful downtown Kodiak, Alaska, where it is 40 degrees. It's been 40 degrees all day. We're also experiencing a little rain, fog, mist, and it's been windy all day. Out at the airport, they are showing northeast winds steady at 33, gusting to 40. They also have 93% humidity and 4 miles of visibility at the airport right now. Look for rain today, rain tomorrow, and a slight chance of rain for Friday. And a slight chance of rain and snow on Friday afternoon, turning to partly sunny skies tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be windy for today and tonight, too. East winds continuing up to 40, could gust to 45. East winds 15 tonight, going to light and variable after midnight. Coming up on the midday report... There's a new place on the map, Mount Young. We'll tell you about that. The Homer High School girls wrestling team coach talks about the future of wrestling for girls in Alaska. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. One of the world's greatest soccer players has died. The Brazilian legend Pele was 82 years old. One of his daughters confirmed his death on Instagram. He'd been hospitalized in Sao Paulo since late last month, where he'd been battling complications from colon cancer. Catherine Osborne reports Pele served as a global ambassador for the sport and for his home country. Pele became a soccer phenomenon during one of the first televised World Cups in 1958. His creative and flashy style of play contributed to a nickname that has stuck with the sport, as he once told CNN. I think it will be always the beautiful game. Pele made it beautiful. He vaulted soccer balls high over his opponent's heads, dribbled them off defenders' shins, and leapt up to rocket them backwards while airborne. Born to a poor family in rural Brazil, he spoke often about soccer's power to transcend national borders. Pele played in the 70s for a New York club, boosting American interest in the game. To Brazilian fans, he was known simply as the king. For NPR News, I'm Catherine Osborne in Rio de Janeiro. Pele was the only player to win the World Cup three times. The death toll from the blizzard that hit western New York is rising. Erie County Executive Mark Polencar said on Twitter this afternoon that 39 people are now confirmed dead, 31 of them in Buffalo alone. Southwest Airlines says it expects to get back to normal operations by tomorrow. Southwest has been struggling to recover after the storm overwhelmed the carrier with cancellations. Southwest has canceled more than 13,000 flights since its meltdown began. The committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol has withdrawn its subpoena for former President Donald Trump. NPR's Deidre Walsh reports. Chairman Benny Thompson informed Trump's attorney that the committee's hearings are over and their report is out, so he was no longer seeking the records and testimony requested in the subpoena issued on October 21st. Trump's attorney, Harmeet Dillon, said the committee, quote, waved the white flag. The committee did not respond to NPR's request for comment. Thompson explained in the letter the panel can no longer pursue the specific information they were seeking since its investigation is concluding. 
Deirdre Walsh, NPR News, Washington. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly banning TikTok from state employee devices because of ties to China. David Condos of the Kansas News Service has more. The ban means employees of the Kansas executive branch can no longer access the popular video sharing platform on their state-owned phones and laptops. TikTok is owned by a China-based company, and there's growing concern that the Chinese government could use the app to collect users' data. The Federal Bureau of Investigation has warned that poses a national security threat. Kansas joins the federal government and at least 16 other states that have already banned TikTok on employee devices. But Kelly is the first Democratic governor to do so. For NPR News, I'm David Condos. This is NPR. NPR News is brought to you in part by Providence Kodiak Island Counseling Center. For an appointment or more information, 481-2400. Any day now, President Joe Biden is expected to sign into law a bill that renames a volcano on a small Aleutian island after the late Congressman Don Young. Senator Lisa Murkowski says she knew Young's softer side, as well as the reasons for his volatile reputation. She says she and Senator Dan Sullivan intentionally chose a volcano. As we were looking for something that might be fitting, um, we looked not only at mountains, but we looked at mountains that continue to blow their top to this very day. The mountain is west of Adak and comprises three volcanic cones. Its previous name, Mount Cerberus, was also named for a fierce creature. In Greek mythology, Cerberus was a hellhound, a three-headed dog that stood guard at the entrance to the underworld. Besides the mountain, the bill names a federal building in Fairbanks and a job center in Palmer after Young. Representative Mary Peltola is finishing Don Young's term in office. She said on the House floor last week that Young would probably like knowing that his name is on a job center, uplifting future generations of workers. Don always spoke fondly about his time working construction in Alaska, driving a D8 Caterpillar bulldozer, and he always looked out for people who worked with their hands. The bill passed both chambers with no opposition. Once Biden signs it, the board on geographic names has 30 days to rename the mountain. Google Maps, though, isn't waiting. It has already labeled the peak. Mount Young. Today is the fourth day of Kwanzaa, a week-long celebration of African culture with each day set aside to reflect on one of the seven principles of Kwanzaa, such as unity, self-determination, personal responsibility, purpose, faith, and creativity. The Kwanzaa principle for today is Ujamaa, the Swahili word for cooperative economics. Jasmine Smith, an Anchorage entrepreneur, is inviting the community to gather this evening to celebrate and learn. What we like to do for Ujama is just talking about ideas and ways to start and grow businesses and to support our communities um, financially. So we basically have like a mini business workshop and like a roundtable conversation on what that principle is and why it's important and how we can make that happen in our community here in Alaska. The Ujamaa concept treats local businesses as a network of extended families or a brotherhood that work together for mutual prosperity. And another big piece of it is not just having a successful business that makes money, but having a business that's successful and makes money that allows you to give back and implement change in your community for the better. So it's a lot more strategic. It it deals a lot with generational wealth building, but like community generational wealth building to improve community. 
Smith's celebration starts at 6 this evening at one of her local businesses, Umoja Coworking. Her company, which is based on, in Mountain View, rents office space to startup businesses. Umoja means unity, one of the seven values celebrated during Kwanzaa. The Kwanzaa greeting is Habari Ghani, Swahili for what's the news or what's happening or hello. The word Kwanzaa means first fruits of the harvest. So Habari Ghani on this day of Umoja. Forty-year-old Homer resident Taylor O'Donner Bakker has dedicated the majority of her life to advocating for the sport of women's wrestling. And the Olympian and coach of the Homer High School girls wrestling team wants to talk about it. KBBI's Desiree Hagen has the story. Over two decades ago, then Homer High School student Taylor O'Donnell Bakker was told she couldn't join the boys wrestling team. So she fought the school district. Without a girls' team, Bakker says she just wanted an opportunity to compete in the sport that she loved, even though she was mostly up against boys. I wrote a letter to the school board saying, hey, could you please let me wrestle? I just really want to give it a try. Plus, there's this law. It's called Title IX. I don't think you have a choice. After she was granted the right to join the team in the late 90s, Bakker didn't stop fighting. She won national championships while still in high school. And a few years after graduating, she competed in the Olympics, a first for her and for women wrestlers worldwide. So 2004 was the first time they had women's wrestling in the Olympics, and I was a part of that first team, that inaugural team. About a decade later, a former teammate reached out to Bakker. She wanted Bakker's help encouraging more women and girls to become involved in the sport. She called me up and said, hey, Taylor, I'm going to start this nonprofit. It's called Wrestle Like a Girl. You want to be a part of it? Bakker became one of the national organization's founding members and also helped start up Wrestle Like a Girl statewide chapter, Alaska Girls Wrestle. But what does the group do? We work to use wrestling as a catalyst for change in Alaska. Bakker says both groups, Alaska Girls Wrestle and Wrestle Like a Girl, work to empower young women through sports, through hosting coaches clinics and navigating the college recruitment process, to hosting and teaching wrestling camps. Bakker says last year, one of the Alaska Girls Wrestle training camps hosted 60 female wrestlers from 20 different Alaska communities, from Chivak to Utkiavik. She says about 70% were able to attend because of scholarships, which helped cover the cost of food, lodging, and training. Bakker says the group has also worked with other organizations to provide sports bras to every Alaska wrestler that wanted one. You know, if a girl grows up, you know, without her family having a lot of experience in sport, a sports bra can be the reason why she excels and feels comfortable in the sport or the reason why she drops out. Wrestle Like a Girl has also organized various trips to other countries to partner with female fighters abroad. The group is planning an exchange with Mongolian wrestlers in the upcoming year. Bakker says these trips are often transformative. After a trip with the group to Pakistan to meet with female boxers in 2019, Bakker says she began to recognize how wrestling could be used as a tool to promote healthy self-images for young women. We see girls in combat sports and in wrestling really having this like confidence about them that comes from knowing, you know, owning their space in their body. When they walk into a room and they walk down the street, this confidence is something that can be seen 
through cultures, through language barriers. Around that same time, Bakker says she was processing the disappearance of her childhood friend, Anisha Duffy Murnane, who was abducted in Homer while walking to a doctor's appointment. And after that veil had been pulled off my eyes of like, oh, Alaska and the safety of women, it wasn't what I thought it was. You know, Alaska has some of the highest rates of gender-based violence in the world. Since then, Bakker began to view her work with women's wrestling as a way to combat gender-based violence by teaching skills for women to defend themselves, like helping them understand their strengths or becoming more conscious of their environments. I'm really big on making safe spaces for athletes, for youth, for people. And she is able to do that locally as the coach for Homer High's girls wrestling team. The five-member squad just finished up their season with two of the members, sisters Sersha and Rowan Cook, finishing in first place at the statewide championship in their weight class. Reporting in Homer, I'm Desiree Hagan. In the last bill Congress passed for the year, the bill to fund government, was an unrelated provision aimed at saving democracy. The omnibus spending bill included 33 pages reforming the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Senator Lisa Murkowski says it spells out how future presidential elections are to be certified to avoid a replay of the 2021 attack on the Capitol. We need to make sure that never, ever, ever again is a vice president faced with the uncertainty as to what the extent of their authority is when it comes to to certification of an election. After the 2020 election, then-President Donald Trump and his allies tried to use ambiguities in the 1887 law to block or delay certification of the election he lost. The bill Congress passed makes it clear that the vice president's role on certification day is ceremonial. It also specifies how states submit their electoral college votes to prevent corruption of election results. Murkowski was among a group of senators who negotiated the reforms. This was part of a, of a many-month uh, collaborative effort, a good bipartisan working group. I think that there were ultimately 16 uh, that were involved over the course of, of the months, and I think we got a good product. Murkowski was an original co-sponsor of the legislation this summer. By the time it was added to the spending bill, it had 15 Republican co-sponsors. Senator Dan Sullivan voted against the spending bill, as did a majority of Republicans in the House and Senate. He cited reasons unrelated to electoral reform, and his office did not respond to an emailed inquiry on Wednesday. Representative Mary Peltola voted for a similar reform bill in the House. It was one of the first votes she took and passed largely along party lines. She also voted for the spending bill, that included the final legislation. Alaska Airlines' Dillingham route is back on track after it canceled flights on Monday and Tuesday due to broken de-icing equipment. Clark's Point school principal, Angela Kelly, was one of the people waiting for a flight out of Dillingham. It all started, really, when my dad passed away on Christmas Day in Colorado, and I just I needed to get home to my family. When the Dillingham flight to Anchorage was canceled, Kelly decided to organize a charter, but it wasn't easy. 
Denina Air didn't have any charters available. Raven didn't have any charters available. I called Lake Clark Air and they didn't have any. And a couple others um, just didn't have any. And I finally found Alaska Air Transit and they said they could do one, but it was really expensive. The charter cost $6,500. So Kelly posted on the community Facebook page and called other people she knew who were trying to get out. She worked for about five hours to organize the charter. She found nine people to fly to Anchorage and six others to fly to Dillingham. That brought the ticket prices down to about $430. And she made it to Colorado. I was glad to get here this morning. It was a long day and a lot of travel, but it was nice to finally get here. (laughs) An Alaska Air spokesperson said via email that the airline can't safely fly its planes without de-icing equipment. A technician is working on the repairs as of yesterday. The spokesperson said today's flight was delayed but still left Dillingham about 1.30 p.m. The travel chaos that has swept the nation over the past week just brushed Bristol Bay. Alaska Air canceled its flight to Dillingham on Friday because it couldn't get its crew from Seattle to Anchorage due to the weather. The sale of Alaska's largest natural gas utility has cleared its final regulatory hurdle. That means Canadian company TriSummit can move forward with the purchase of NSTAR and its share of Cook Inlet's gas storage facility, an $800 million deal. NSTAR has about 150,000 customers on the Kenai Peninsula, as well as in Anchorage and the Matsu. For a decade, it was owned by Alta Gas, which also is based in Canada. NSTAR spokesperson Lindsay Hobson said little will change for customers when TriSummit takes over. The cost of the transaction will not impact NSTAR rates, and so the rates that customers pay will not be impacted until NSTAR goes in for another rate case. She says the company is bringing back some services that were previously done out of state. While we have 200 in-state employees right now, we do expect to see that number grow slightly as we bring more finance and HR and IT functions uh, back into the state of Alaska. NSTAR gets all its natural gas from Cook Inlet producers, mostly coming from oil and gas company Hillcorp. It's also a majority owner and operator of the Cook Inlet Natural Gas Storage Alaska, which stores gas during high times of production, during times of high production for times of low production. TriSummit will take over NSTAR's 65% ownership in the facility's parent company. And it will continue to be um, operated by NSTAR employees through a management agreement between NSTAR and Singza. TriSummit, the new parent company, has 133,000 customers in Canada and had a net income of over $51 million in 2021 after taxes. NSTAR will be the company's largest regulated natural gas distribution utility when the acquisition is complete, according to a final order from the state. In a press release, Alta Gas says proceeds for the sale will help the company reduce its debt and become more financially flexible for growth elsewhere. Jobless claims remain historically low. I'm Kristen Schwab with the Marketplace Minute. Filing for unemployment benefits rose last week by 9,000. That's up from the lows of this spring, but still near pre-pandemic levels. It means the labor market has cooled a bit, but remains historically tight. 
Southwest Airlines says flight cancellations will continue for days. It's already cut more than 2,300 flights today. The carrier acknowledges it has outdated operations technology that can leave flight crews out of position when bad weather strikes. China's opening its borders in the new year, and that has many countries concerned that with that will come new COVID variants. There have been no reports of new variants yet, but leaders accuse China of not being transparent about the virus since it first surfaced there in 2019. I'm Kristen Schwab with the Marketplace Minute. This is the Island Messenger, a look at personal messages, the weather, and community announcements. Good afternoon and welcome to your Island Messenger for Thursday. It is the 29th day of December, the year 2022. The sun rose today at 9.54. It will set again at 4.29. That will give us 6 hours and 36 minutes of daylight a gain of one minute and nine seconds compared to yesterday. Our record low for this date was five degrees, set in 1979, and our record high was 56, set last year during the heat wave in 2021. Currently, it's 40 degrees outside. We have a light rain, fog, mist, and a lot of wind going on out there. 93% humidity out at the airport, where they have northeast winds to 28, gusting to 37, and their visibility is down to 2.5 miles. Look for rain for the rest of the afternoon and tonight. High near 41 tonight, which we are pretty much there. East winds to 35, should come down to 25 this afternoon, and finally down to 15 this evening, becoming light and variable after midnight. For tomorrow, a slight chance of rain before 9 a.m., then a slight chance of rain and snow after 3 p.m., but otherwise, partly sunny skies with a high near 39, Light and variable winds turning to the south 5 to 10 tomorrow morning. Looking at our local tides, we have a low tide coming up in just a few minutes here on the east side. That will happen at 1244 this afternoon and be 2.5 feet, followed by a high tide at 636 p.m. of 7.1 feet. Over on the west side, your low tide will happen at 128 this afternoon and be 3.9 feet in Larson Bay followed by a high tide at 9.07 p.m. of 11.3 feet. Mariners, be aware, we have a gale warning today for Marmot Island to sit at Kodiak's east side. East winds to 40 knots, should come down to south 30 this afternoon, seas to 19 feet today. For tonight, southwest 25, seas to 16 feet. And for tomorrow, southeast 20, seas to 12 feet. Of course, on Saturday, they are talking about east winds to 45 knots, seas to 17 feet, and Sunday through Monday of next week, south winds to 30 knots, seas to 22 feet on our east side. Over in the Shelikoff Strait, gale warning through tonight, northeast 45 today, seas to 20 feet. For tonight, east 35, turning to the south and coming down to 15 after midnight, seas 12 feet, subsiding to 4 feet after midnight. For tomorrow, variable 10 becoming northeast 15 in the afternoon, seas to 3 feet. Then that window will begin to close as Friday night, east winds to 25 knots, seas to 8 feet. Saturday, east winds to 45 knots, seas to 14 feet. 
The senior citizens of Kodiak are accepting paper bags again. If you have a few extra, please drop them off um, between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. at the Senior Center. Alaska Youth for Environmental Action is excited to announce the applications are open for the 2023 Civics and Conservation Summit. What that is, is it allows young leaders from communities across the state to bring their concerns directly to the Alaska State Legislature. Learn how to advocate for issues that matter to your communities and have your voice heard in Juneau if you are among Alaska's youth. Alaskans aged 13 through 18 across the state are encouraged to apply and community members are encouraged to nominate the powerhouse youth leaders of their community. Applications are open now and support for travel and housing is available. Apply by January 7th. Learn more and apply or nominate a teen by visiting AYEA.org. That's AYEA.org. The Alaska Marine Safety Education Association is conducting a two-day fishing vessel drill conductor class in Kodiak. That's happening next week, January 4th and 5th, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., mostly at the Kodiak Seafood and Marine Science Center over on 118 Trident Way on Near Island. There will also be a pool session. The cost for the class is absolutely free for the Kodiak Commercial Fishing Fleet and $225 for all others. This class meets the U.S. Coast Guard training requirements for drill conductors on commercial fishing vessels. And if you plan to go fishing this winter and have time, why not take it? Register online at www.amsea.org or call them on the phone at 907-747-3287. On a related note, the Coast Guard Marine Safety Detachment in Kodiak reminds you to consider the stability of your vessel when loading crab and cod pots. Stacking the pots changes to the center of gravity. That affects stability, especially in icing conditions. Personnel from the Coast Guard Safety Office in Kodiak will be walking the docks providing voluntary safety compliance checks with an emphasis on stability. You can call them at 907-486-5910 or stop by their office in the subway building downtown if you have any questions or to schedule an inspection. The city of Kodiak is looking for advisory board and commissioner positions for a number of boards and commissions, including the Building Code Board of Appeals. They're looking for two members uh, who can pass upon matters pertaining to building construction, two impending positions with terms ending December 31st, 2025 are available. Also, the Historic Preservation Commission is looking for two people, one commissioner with a knowledge of historic preservation, history, anthropology, and or architecture with a term ending December 31st, 2024, who resides in the city, and one commissioner who may reside outside the city, filling the professional designated position of anthropologist as required by the National Parks Service regulations for a term ending December 31st, 2025. Also, the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board is looking for four regular members, well, four positions with a term ending December 31st, 2025, two positions with a term ending December 31st, 2024, and two alternate positions with a term ending December 31st, 2023. They're also looking for an ex-officio United States Coast Guard position and an ex-officio student position. 
Also, the personnel board is looking for applicants. Applicants must reside within the Kodiak City limits for the personnel board. Two vacant positions with terms ending in December 31st, 2023, and one with a term ending December 31st, 2024. Applications for all these positions are available at the city clerk's office, which is in the borough building, and they're also on the city's website, so you can get them there. Please submit applications to the city clerk by January 4th. Call the city clerk at 907-486-8636 for more information. Wednesdays at the Kodiak Public Library are Lego Club time. That starts at 3.30 p.m. Children under 10 must be accompanied by an adult. Thursdays, the library hosts a lapsit story time for babies 0 to 3 and their adults. Join volunteer Abby Hanna to share a story and a song with some quality time to play and socialize. Thursdays, 10.30 a.m. at the library. And the Library Chess Club will be meeting Thursday. That's today at 3 p.m. Drop in and learn, practice, or sharpen your chess skills in a cozy, friendly environment. No experience is necessary, and it's open for all ages. They'll be meeting every Thursday at 3 p.m. in December, which I guess this is the last one. Library hours are Mondays, Fridays, and Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., Tuesdays and Thursdays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and the Kodiak Public Library will be closed Monday, January 2nd for New Year's. KMXT's new 2023 calendars are in. If you are a current member, please stop by and pick up your free copy. Additional copies can be had for a mere $15. Non-members can also pick up copies for $20 each. They're beautiful calendars, and we'd like to thank everyone who submitted this year, and a special thanks to those photographers who had their entries picked for the calendar. Drop by any time between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Monday through Friday to pick up a calendar. Listen for the Island Messenger here on Public Radio KMXT three times a day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m., during the midday report at 12.20, and in the evening at 7 o'clock. If you have a community announcement or personal message, including lost and found items or pets, you can call KMXT at 486-3181, fax us at 486-2733, or email psa at kmxt.org.